Welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White, and I would like to welcome you to the show once more because welcoming is just something that is so good to do. Welcome again. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Aren't you so welcome? Don't you feel very welcome? Well, you are. You're very welcome, and I'm very happy that you're here. Let me introduce some other welcome folks, like Mr. Frank Allen, one of my wonderful co-hosts. Frank. Hello, uh, Jordan. Good to talk to you. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well. I'm doing quite well. I broke my headphones a few minutes ago, and I had to go buy new ones, so that was sort of a bummer, but other than that, I'm all right. Um, okay. Do you really think that's the sort of thing that the listener wants to hear about? Because that sounds kind of boring to me. Well, okay, maybe not, but okay, then uh, I'll talk about something else. My wife is in Las Vegas right now. I've never been to Las Vegas, but I've always wanted to go, but she's there for a medical convention, so I'm a little jealous, but, uh, you know, I hope she's having a good time. She sounds like she is. Okay. Uh, you know, again, I, is this like a personal podcast now? I, I didn't know you did like a personal update thing. Well, I don't always, but sometimes I ask you guys about your life. Why can't I talk about mine once in a while? Oh, no, I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. Well, I mean, what's going on with your personal life, then? Tell me what's up with you. You you were going to do this thing where you were, you know, you were doing this, uh, what do you call it, expose with the with the woman from last week, Betty Davis Eyes. Did you do that? No, she's not done yet. Like, she's just starting working on it. She's going to do the expose. We're going to get Lynn caught for, for murder, but it hasn't happened yet. No. Okay, well, sure. Let's move along with our introductions. Uh, I have over here Mr. Rory Sinjin. Hello, Rory. How are you today? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I've always wanted to go to Las Vegas as well. Um, I understand there's a, there's a, a large population of people, you know, looking to spend money there. So I thought it would be, I always thought it would be a good place to apply my trade. And um, perhaps I will someday, you know, try to make it out there, do some extra historical readings for people and, you know, try a, try a bit of gambling, you know. Uh, hopefully I wouldn't gamble away all the money I, I earn while I'm there, but but it would be fun to try, you know, just a little. Well, knowing your luck, I think you probably would. So you'd be better advised not to. I would what? Gamble it all away. You probably would make money and then just, you know, throw it away on useless junk. I mean, well, that's what you... You know, your luck is not good. You you tend to do stupid things and then pay for them. Uh, is it, uh, Frank, why would you say that? I didn't tend to do stupid things and then pay for I did one thing that was wrong and I made a mistake. Otherwise, I'm doing quite well, all right? You know, uh, my business is up now that I'm out of jail. I, and since then, I mean, as well. You know, I've, I've, I've picked up some new clients since then and, and I'm doing quite well. And my business is, is doing, is, 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 is booming in a sense. Partially that, that is due to the, the downturn of the economy. So, you know, but still I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm free. Uh, from prison to take advantage of that fact, um, and it's going quite well. I'm sorry, what? Wait, hold on. You said the downturn in the economy is good for your business? Oh, well, yes, actually. Um, traditionally, extra-historical readings are more popular when uh, when there's trouble in the world. You know, when, when the economy is bad, people are more likely to get them. Wait, no, hold on. That's stupid. That's moronic. Well, Frank, you know, don't don't insult me. No, sir. I'm not, I, I, no, but seriously, that's stupid because people are don't have any money. You know, money is is scarce. People are losing jobs. People are are, are getting poor. Credit is going down. The economy is you know tanking, as you said. The the stock market's doing really poorly, and people are more likely to waste money on something completely bogus. New no, people are more likely to utilize a service of things that are reassuring and things that are you know offer them possibilities. And again, I I don't do the sort of thing where I tell people what to 
to do with their lives, but rather, you know, it is it is a comfort service in many ways because I do assure people that they are doing at least, if not doing the right thing, then at least that in other worlds they they could be doing worse. You know, so it, it is a very helpful thing. I mean, just, for example, Frank, you know, you're talking about all the terrible things about the economy, but there's another world where the economy is doing far worse. You know, at least the the stock market is still above eight thousand at this point. There, there are worlds where it's it's down in the five thousand range. There's there's even worlds when it's below a thousand. Well, that's ridiculous. No, no, it's really true. No, I mean, that's ridiculous. What? That's supposed to reassure me in some way? I mean, that's that's stupid. That's what other fake old worlds are doing, but our, our world is the real one, and the, this is the one we have to deal with. Yes, but many people find comfort in the fact that things aren't as bad as they can possibly be. There, there is always something worse. No matter how bad things are, there's always something worse. Oh, yeah, really, always, no matter what. Well, yes, I would say so, yes. What if, well, what if um, the entire universe has ceased to be? Well, then there might be a place where the entire universe has ceased to be, and the possibility of return is gone. Okay, then what's worse than that? Uh, well... That the entire universe is gone and there's no possibility of return. And in fact, it, the universe is so gone that it, 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 it never was in the first place. The, 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 the going awayness of it sucked the existence of before away with it. Okay, uh, that's arguable that that's worse, but all right, let's accept for a moment that that's worse. What's worse than that, then? Well, okay, look, I mean, if that happens, there's not going to be anybody there to reassure, is there? So it doesn't really make a difference if there's something worse than that. I I'm sure if I thought hard enough, I could think of something, but like I said, there's no point. No no one in that universe exists, so therefore no one's going to hire me, so it's all right. But, but I mean, obviously you can see that our world is far better off than that one. I mean, so anyone in our world is better off than that person, you know, than that person who doesn't exist, I should say. Uh, well, the point is, there's always something worse. Four people here. All right, guys, uh, that's a fun conversation. And Rory, way to go taking advantage of people who are suffering. But, excuse me, we really actually should go on, because we've been talking to each other so long that I haven't even introduced Scape, and he's already asleep. Let me wake him up. Scapey. Scapey. <sighs> Scapey. What? What? What is it? We're, we're doing the podcast, remember? Oh, how long was I asleep? Oh, a while. Don't yeah, a while. But um, this is Scape White, my son slash cat. It's really a cat. I, I didn't genetically father him, but I spiritually have raised him. Spiritually? Don't yeah, whatever. Don't worry about that. H how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. I just was uh, sleeping. I was dreaming about uh bird. Uh, oh, everybody's heard about the bird, I think. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's a song, Dad. <laughs> That's a different bird. I was talking about, like, a pigeon. I was dreaming that there was one outside the window, and the window was, like, open. <laughs> so I was like, grab, kill, <laughs> eat. Oh, well, <laughs> not the case, so no big deal. No, not the case. Um, so what's up? Like I said, podcast. Uh, do you have anything you want to say to everybody? Let everybody know about? How, how's your life going? Fine. Uh, not enough rice food, basically. That's about it, though. Yeah, that sounds like your typical self. Okay, uh, let's move on then. You know what, actually, guys, let's let's get right to the, the stuff this week. I mean, it's kind of a biggish week with stuff. I know a couple of the episodes are, are long-esque, so to speak. So let's get right through it. Let's start out with Guard Duty. What do you guys think? Oh, uh, sure. All right. Good, good. Uh, this is an episode of Guard Duty called Under Coverage. And to give a tiny bit of backstory here, I had read uh, an interview with, I think it was with Grant Morrison, who is a comic writer, who had said something to the effect of, on a metaphoric level, the Avengers, the Marvel comic superhero team, are like the Knights of the round tables, uh, knights who are, are defending gallantly the, their fellow people. Whereas the JLA, the Justice League of America, the DC superhero group, are more like the, the gods of Olympus. They're, you know, they're, they're better than everyone else 
uh, you know, and, but they protect them anyway, you know, that sort of a deal. And so I was working on guard duty at the time and I was thinking, well, what, what's, what's the metaphor for the earth guard? What, what are they? And, um, I don't think it was right before this episode necessarily, but sometime before the third season, I said to myself, well, you know, I think the metaphor for the, I think what, what guard duty is, and this is not as, as mythic of a thing, but I said, guard duty, I think is more of like a, a superhero union. <laughs> a union. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, cause at one point, you know, I was, I was studying to be a teacher and, uh, you know, I was interested in, in teaching union type stuff. Thankfully, I didn't do that because I like working for Marvel Comics and all that. But I was thinking, well, yes, the Earth Guard is kind of like, yeah, they're a group that helps people, but they also are sort of the union for the superheroes, which is why in this episode already, you've, they've been talking about their government liaison. They've been talking about benefits, things like that. So this is called Undercoverage, and it does talk a little bit about that sort of thing as well. Hopefully, you will dig it. The Earth Guard. The planet's most powerful heroes united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth and defending them from threats of all kinds. From the Guard Tower, their base of operations, they watch over the citizens and spring into action at any sign of danger. That end, the guard takes shifts monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of guard duty. This week, the Jack and Broadband in Under Coverage. I'm just saying, how could I cheat? Well, you've got to admit, the bag of letters is pretty incriminating. I'm a big fan! I use them to get in practice in my spare time. Look, he saw me pulling letters from the regular bag, putting them on my rack, then playing them on the board. Where is the room to cheat? Oh, come on, Jack. You're by far the most dexterous member of the guard. You don't think sleight of hand is a reasonable assumption? Yeah, okay, sure. But how can I get the right letters so quickly? Maybe you prepare them ahead of time. But you have to fit the words in with what the other person plays. You couldn't plan it out ahead. You know how it is. If if you have a word sitting on your rack, it's pretty unlikely the other guy's going to give you an opening. It's also pretty likely that at some point in the game, you're going to have either all vowels or all consonants, and that doesn't seem to happen to you, does it? So either way, you're incredibly lucky. You'll get no argument from me there. I happen to live by my luck. I just get good letters. Oh, or you could have all 26 letters separated into different hiding places on your person. Some magicians do things like that for card tricks, I've heard. That's a bit excessive, isn't it? Depends on how much you care about winning. So the proposition is that I spend hours getting letters on my person, memorizing their locations, palming them in-game, and swapping out my real letters as necessary through sleight of hand. For what? So I can win at a lousy spelling game? To what end? Your counter-proposal involves you practicing letter combinations in your spare time to those same ends, so you tell me which is more of a waste. I'm no cheater. Do I really come off as having so loose morals? Oh, come now, it's a game. No one is implying that you're some sort of villain in disguise. You can be a good person in real life and still cheat at Scrabble. But I don't! You don't have to convince me, personally. I think I prefer to believe you're some sort of idiot savant. Hey! Well, let's face it, Jack, you don't exactly come across as the genius type. Well, 
I'd rather be an idiot than a cheater. That's what I figured. Although I'm clearly not an idiot, could an idiot run a convenience store and feed a family of three on such a tight budget? Is it really that tight? I thought you had insurance money. Oh yeah, that. <laughs> it's not as much as all that, really, and what there is, I don't want to just blow through. Tommy's almost done with high school, and Cindy would like to transfer out of community college. I'm trying to save up for that. Plus, once they're gone, I'm going to have to hire two more employees. The store barely makes a profit as it is. What about the stipend you get for being in the Earth God? Doesn't that help cover your expenses? <laughs> it barely covers our food shopping. What? Don't get me wrong. I mean, we appreciate every dime of it, but it doesn't really go that far. Plus, if I can't make guard duty one week, I get docked. That's nonsense. Does Chuck know about this? He must. He gets the stipend too, right? I mean, he's not rich like you. This is just like him. He says he wants to support the guard, but then he lets the government bilk you for all you're worth. Just because he's some sort of... of... Spartan warrior, that doesn't mean everyone has to be. First he lets them decimate our healthcare. Healthcare? What, what happened to our healthcare? You haven't heard? No. The government's new man, Warren Grant, has everything tied up in red tape. He's backpedaling on every issue Davis Moore settled with us. Remember the provision compensating for wages lost in civilian identities while recovering from guard-related injuries? Gone. What? But if the Jack breaks his leg and then Jack Bolesky has a broken leg? I know, I know. And Chuck is just allowing him to do it. I have enough trouble with people suspecting my identity as it is. It's complete nonsense. Of course, that is partially your fault for using your given name as your code name, Jack. No, no, no. I'm THE Jack. No, I know, like a jumping jack, athletics, I know, but... No, 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 Why does everyone say that? No, like, a jack, you know, the little metal things. I throw bouncy balls and I'm the jack. Uh, jack like the children's game? Exactly. Does anyone even play jacks anymore? I don't know. They could. It doesn't matter, that's what I'm named after. See, shiny outfit, metal jack? And then when I'm jumping, arms and legs akimbo, I, I look like a jack. Get it? I suppose it's... <laughs> Subtle. Well, I'm nothing if not subtle. What? Is it really that hard to see here? Look, when I go like this... What was that? Nothing. Just a, you know, thing. It's... It's a letter N. It's my lucky tile. I always have it on hand. I'm not a cheater! The Jack, there is a phone call coming in for you through phone line number 16. Oh, uh, uh, put it through, brain frame. Connecting. Hello? Jack? Oh, hey, Cindy, what's up? Angela just quit the store. What? Why, did you two get in another fight? She was $40 short again last night, Jack. If you'd come home like you said you were going to... Sydney, you know being part of the Earth Guard is... I know, I'm sorry. I'm just... I don't know what to do about the shop. I can't stay on for another shift. Tommy is in school and now with no Angela. Go, Jack. I can't. We can't afford to miss another check for guard duty. I'll cover for you. It's not a problem. Are you sure? Of course. Go. Besides, what are the odds there's going to be an emergency during this shift? Thanks. I won't forget this. You're a real buddy, you know that? I try. <laughs> Now get going. See ya! Hmm. I'm going to have to speak to Chuck about that, eh, unit? Oh! Peas Blossom. Brain Frame, bring up the sound on Monitor 3, please. York Sky at nearly sonic speeds this morning, but no Earth Guard emergencies were reported in the city all day. Peas Blossom could not be reached for comment. We turn now to our interview with another member of the Earth Guard, Mr. Fahrenheit. He joins us here in the studio to discuss his work in the Guard, as well as his newly announced record deal with Electra Records. What? show. My pleasure, Frank. Let's begin with the obvious. We all know Mr. Fahrenheit the hero. Who is Mr. Fahrenheit the musician? How did this record deal come about? 
Well, uh, Steve, uh, Steven Lieber, Lieber, he's, he's producing the record. He came to me with the idea. He's been looking to work with a member of the Guard for some time now. Never had any takers. Really, this makes sense for me. I mean, I've always had my finger in the music world. Oh, really? that's oh, rich. Oh, you know, me and a bunch of those rock guys are, uh, like this. Spent a lot of time hanging backstage with some of the greats. Stones, Page and Plant, when they got back together. Had dinner with Alice Cooper once. Won a contest. And of course, you know, Freddy. Freddy? Mercury? Yeah, we hung. Went to bars, you know. Good guy. He actually wrote that song about me. That's why they're coming, Mr. Ferrin! Hi! What do you call it? Uh, Don't Stop Me Now. Really? Uh, that was on, I believe, uh, jazz in uh, 1978. Really? Well, must have been my, uh, my earlier exploits. Yeah, that's, that's my understanding. So, uh, what can we expect from your album? Oh, honestly, Frank, what you can expect from my new album is... Broadband, Jack. A tractor has turned the Space Needle out of the ground and is threatening to... to scenes for all these years. Where's Jack? Now oh, he's just uh, in the bathroom. He's got a nasty case of, um, you know... Yes, send out the signal. We've got to get really? to Seattle. Uh, now. So I'm on it. Well, crap. Earth Guard, we're needed in Seattle. A tractor is tearing the place up. Rendezvous ASAP. Sorry, Jack. Jordan D. White, with Michael D. Murkowski as the narrator, Jordan D. White as the Jack, Derek McNish as Broadband, Elijah Weberhand as Mr. Fahrenheit, Daniel Schwartz as Dr. Bast, and Frank Allen as the newscaster, with theme song by Michael D. Murkowski. Welcome back. Welcome back. That was a fun little episode of Guard Duty. And, oh, we got to talk about Mr. Fahrenheit's album, which is a fun little subplot. Mr. Fahrenheit is a character that I just kind of came up with him. The reason he exists is actually he had it exactly ass backwards. I created Mr. Fahrenheit because of the song, uh, Don't Stop Me Now. It has that line. That's why they call me Mr. Fahrenheit. And I thought, that's a fun name. So I made him up as sort of temperature hero. But I got to say, a lot of the, a lot of what makes him work as a character just came about because of how well Elijah Weberhand played him and the interesting vibe that he would give that character. And so I just kind of went, wow, this is great. And the character just kept growing from there. I love him. Love him. So his album, the thing about him having an album is wonderful. Moving on. What do you, how are you guys? What did you guys think of that? Uh, I think Mr. Fahrenheit is a jerk. Well, no, yeah, uh, yeah, he is, but that's what's great about him. That's great about him. Okay, I guess jerks are great now. So you like jerks. Is that the situation? I've got you on my show. Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> I didn't think that was a joke. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's get to This Day in History now. Um, Rory, you've got a This Day in History for us, right? Of course I do. I've got one for every day of the year. So, <laughs> of course. Uh, this is one for today. Today being October 27th, of course. It, it is interesting that we, that we do play this. We only do one day of the week when, in fact, you know, more than likely someone listens to this at some point over that week. But I put, we, we, we only do the Monday day for now. So, October 27th, let's find out what happened, shall we? <laughs> 
Hello there and welcome to This Day in History here on WHIW Binghamton. My name is Rory Sindrin. On October 27, 1904, a rapid transit subway system opened by Mayor George McClellan begins operation in New York City. At 2.35 in the afternoon, the first subway train emerged from the City Hall station with Mayor McClellan at the controls. Oh, the wonders of technology. I was up all night just so excited about this whole thing. Are you sure you should be operating that on no sleep? Oh, sure. You know, I could just drive this thing with my eyes closed. There's just one lever, and you just kind of push it to make it go faster. Mayor! Mayor! We're going too fast! Meanwhile, further down the track... I sure do love being an older married couple crossing the street, don't you, Selma? Oh, and this is a lovely street indeed, Edward. Oh dear, what's that coming up very quickly toward us? It looks like one of those new motor cars. How newfangled. Oh yes, I do wish it would slow down. Oh no! Uh, unfortunately, that senile couple did get smushed flat to death as a result of Mayor George McClellan not getting enough sleep the night before. Don't let this happen to you. This is WHRW Binghamton with this day in history. But don't turn out the light yet. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. You're probably thinking to yourself, well, that moral was kind of ambiguous. Were you saying that you shouldn't become a senile old couple? Were you saying that you shouldn't fall asleep behind the wheel of a train? Were you saying that you shouldn't trust a mayor who hasn't gotten enough sleep? No, the moral, of course, was that you, in fact, should get yourself enough sleep. And in fact, what I didn't go into in detail was that every person involved in that story was not getting enough sleep. The old couple, the reason they thought they were on the street and that it was a motor car coming towards them was because they were so gosh darn tired. They hadn't slept a good night's sleep all the way through in their entire marriage, and their marriage had lasted 70 years to that day, in fact, it was their wedding anniversary. Having only gotten three hours of sleep a night since then, they were both very, very tired, and they thought they were out on the street, where in fact they were down in the subway tunnels, of which they should not have had access, and they ended up right in front of the train, smushed absolutely flat, and the trains were never running on time since then, which was a problem, because that way, people had to get up earlier in order to catch the trains, nobody got enough sleep, and the world slowly fell apart. That's the lesson of this day, is in fact that you should make sure that you get enough sleep, because sleep is very important. This is Roy Sinjin on Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Now that was a message I can really get behind. I must say that I, my name is Scape White and I approve of that message because uh, sleeping is very important. You should get at least 12 hours a day, preferably like 15 if you could. What? No, Scape, that's, that's not true. People are not supposed to sleep 15 hours a day. If you're, for, for heaven's sake, if you're sleeping for 15 hours a day, like, see a doctor. That's that's actually pretty good advice as well. Although I doubt it, it's, it's enough of an issue for everyone in the world that I should make a PSA out of it. Oh, and not sleeping through the night is. Like, that was a really important message to make sure you sleep sometimes. Like, who, who's the one person that's going to reach? Uh, thankfully, insomniacs love our show, and they're going to hear that, and they're going to go, oh, what? Oh, I'm supposed to sleep, am I? Well, hmm, gotta go to bed. Bye. Actually, no, they won't, because they... they they won't be able to sleep through the pulse-pounding show. It's such an exciting show that they will they will be awake when it's over. They can go to sleep, and 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 well, you should if it's nighttime. I mean, you know, you might be driving and then don't go to sleep. Okay, look, let's move on. Uh, I think everybody learned the, the the sleep lesson. Sleep as much as you can for all the time. No, not all the time. Sleep as much as medically appropriate. Consult your doctor to see if sleep is right for you and how much of it you should take for proper dosage. Or don't waste your doctor's time and try to get, you know, eight hours. (sighs) 
What? How can you live on eight hours? What kind of nonsense is that? Like eight hours of sleep. You should get like eight hours of wake. Eight hours of wake? That's all That's all you want to be awake a day? That's like a work day. Eight hours. Yeah, but most people don't sleep every second that they're not spent during a work day. Most people, that's, there's a work day, and then like they do another ten hours of other stuff. Ten hours of other stuff, Dad? Ten hours. Well, that's like six hours of sleep. So not everybody does that, but I mean, I try to do that if I can. Ten hours. Ten hours of being awake. Well, no, that means ten hours plus, so it's to be 18 hours. Eighteen hours of being awake. What kind of torturous person are you? Are you trying to kill me, Dad? Are you trying to kill me? I thought you loved me. Escape, I do love you. It's the... People and cats... Okay, here's here's a lesson that you need to learn. People like me and our friends here, Frank, thank you, and Rory. Um, yes, I'm, I'm a person. People are different from cats. Cats are you and Boo. People are the rest of us here. People only need to sleep like six to eight, maybe nine hours, depending on how tired they are. Cats need to sleep a lot more than that, or at least they do. I don't know if they need to. I remember the timescape when we were living in an apartment with other guys, and you were staying with me, and you were staying in my bedroom. I didn't let you out because I didn't want you to escape. So you were just living in my bedroom. Room, and I stayed up for 24 hours doing a 24-hour comic, and you went completely insane because I was awake for 24 hours straight, and you were just like, oh my god, oh my god, what are you doing? Dad, I remember that. That was crazy because you're right. I was like, oh, well, what is he doing? He's still awake. Oh, the lights are still on. Oh, god, the lights are still on. Yes, that was pretty much what you were doing. Uh, just like jumping around like <laughs> totally, totally whacked out. Oh. That was terrible. See, that that was like an example of why you should never go 24 hours without like at least 14 hours of sleep. At least. That's too much. That's too much for a person. Persons can't handle that. All right. Let's. Speaking of uh, us debating how much sleep you should get, we are getting close to the end of Debatatorium 2006 the 2006 series. Aren't we, Frank? Oh, yes, we are. Yes, we are. This is the second to last episode of the 2006 sequence of debates. This is episode 10. It's about global warming, and uh, we get to find out who's going to be the, the second debater to make it to the final round. So we're getting very close. This is a, this is an intense one. This is an intense one. Well, then let's listen to it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, the penultimate episode of Debatatorium 2006. My name is Frank Allen. Now, this means, so you all know, uh, this is the last episode before the final ultimate debate. We already know that Lord Zest is going to be in the final debate. Bah! But we're going to find out who goes up against him. I will hang his entrails from a tree! Only if you win. Only if you win. Uh, I will do it regardless, and I've already won. The seers of my tribe have foretold it. Well, why don't you introduce yourself, debater number one? <laughs> I am the most powerful, magnificent... Kraltar the Mighty! Cheer for me! Thank you. And uh, now, of course, you have won uh, two debates at this point. Uh, I will win all debates! But you are going up against a wild card, which means a, 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 a debate. As you did before. As we and did your before. wild card could not best that which is me. Well, we'll see if they can this time. Uh, debater number two, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Dot, and I'm the smallest woman in the world. Welcome. Welcome to our uh, studio. Welcome back to our studio. Thank you. May I clarify something before we begin? Oh, of course, please. My name is Dot, and I have no other name. You don't there have a last no name? No. Interesting. We, have, we only have one name on Planet Small. Really? Yes. Well, as someone from 
Planet Small, you could be considered someone with the last name Small. Only if you could be Frank Earth. All right. Um. Now, both of the uh, the both both of the debaters. My opponent has yet to arrive. No, she's right here on this chair. Here. Where? The look down a little bit down. It's fine. There. I see nothing. No, she's except just... a very decorative chair bead. All right. Well, good. Maybe you won't kill your opponent this time. You just listen to the voice. And um, what what I this is an incredibly ornate chair bead. This now this uh both debaters are really well prepared for this debate. They've I will add it up. to my collection. Of course. Uh, studied up on this uh, debate. Uh, now, it's kind of, a, again, kind of a hot-button issue, as we say. Uh, we're going to be debating... dogs again? No, no, no. This is way more, more pressing than that. Uh, we're debating whether or not uh, global warming is real. Now, of course, uh, Kraltar believes it is real, and Dot believes that global warming is not real. Now, as the at- attacker, so to speak... Uh, Dot does go get to go first, please. I'm always on the attack. Well, no, but in this time, you're kind of defending the idea of global warming uh, as being real. Your sense of combat makes no sense, Frank Allen. But it just made, you just said it was a sense of combat, so. Lack of sense. Well, go ahead, Don. I don't feel anything getting warmer. That's it? Look, I mean, everybody talks about how ice caps are going to melt and all this stuff. I can't even see those things. Um, But I certainly don't feel the Earth getting any warmer. Well, I think, now, I could be wrong. Kraltar, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe global warming... You are always wrong! Well, wait until I say it first, because I'm kind of agreeing with you if this is true. Uh, I believe global warming is about uh, things that happen over many, many years, not uh, minutes or, or hours. You know, I think this is all just a conspiracy set up by the Earthen government. Why would the government want uh, to make everyone believe in global warming? To to keep its uh, its inhabitants fearful of dying. <laughs> Their deaths are inevitable at my hand. Fearful of dying before they're supposed to, or fearful of their species dying out. To what ends? Um, to, probably to make them be nicer to their planet, which in general is is a very good um a good goal. But I, I don't think it's true. So you think that global warming is a uh, a clever ruse, basically? By environmentalists, yes, the environmentalist earthen government. I'm sorry, you're saying the government is made up of environmentalists? The earthen government, yes. Oh, I'm sorry, the government of all the whole planet. Yes. I don't believe there is one. Not yes! That, not that you it know of I, it. Kraltar, Lord of the Earth, and I will dispatch these accusations which have been hurled at me. Now, hold on. I believe. I thought you said you had a certain country that you lorded over. Kraltar. Yes! Earth! That's not a country. That's a... The hill people have dominated this planet in your absence, Frank Allen. I'm not absent. I'm here. Right here. While you were gone, must I explain the intricacies of syntax to you? Where was I? I was on Earth. You were away. From? Whatever void you go to in between installments of this insipid program. Okay. Well, uh, why don't you uh, take the mic for a moment and uh, tell us about- I have taken it! Tell us about why global warming is uh, a real threat. I have quested to the northernmost spire in the frozen tundra in the land of Yogg. And the ice demons did tell me that a great heat will befall this world in not one, not two, but 900 years. Years. I'm sorry, so you're saying global warming will occur in 900 years? Over 900 years! Over the course of 900 years? Possibly! Demons are notoriously bad at time. Okay, so maybe over any period of time... Are you mocking me? No, I'm just trying to clarify your issue. Over some uh, undetermined period of time, the world will get warmer. The world is warm! Er, er. Then... Yesterday! <laughs> well, but again... It was cold! I had to wear wool furs! But again, I thought... Now, Global warming, I thought it had to do with many, many, many years, like centuries type stuff, Then, rather than like days. 
Must it be a century for the sun to rise or the moon to set? No, that's a day. Again, that's the day part. I'm talking about the century part. Is like many, I don't want to do the math in my head, but many thousands of those. When songs. do we fight? This is the debate. There's no, there doesn't have to be a fight. This is. There the is always a fight. Life is a constant struggle. Well, you always try to make it a fight, but... Because I win! Well, you've won so far, but... Yes! A coincidence. Coincidence? Oh, I think Miss Small... If prowess is a coincidence... I think Miss Small wants to say something. Go ahead. I think this man is very stupid. What?! I, I, she said you were stupid. Scribes, speak of my intellect now! Kraltar, he's pretty smart. Kraltar solves problems all the time! Why do you have to keep scribes with you? Do you not know how to write? I am the ruler of the earth. When you are a man of as much power as me, you will not have time to write things. No, I, you're not. Also, he breaks the paper. I don't think she's ever going to be a man of your anything. Not with that attitude! The wanting to be a woman attitude? Yes! Okay, well, speaking of uh, global warming, we do have an expert who did want to talk about that. Uh, expert? Hello, how uh, are you doing? Good, how are you? Please. Mm, reasonably well. Sort of dry up here on land. Who, who is this? I'm sorry. Oh, me? Yeah. My name is Seafellow. Seafellow. Reginald Seafellow. Welcome to our studios. Yes. I heard that you had some chair beads around. I am an avid collector. No, 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 no. We're here discussing global warming. The chair bead is mine! Global warming. Global For the warming. final oh. time, I'm a person! Oh, okay. I am sorry. Now, it where is not- that voice coming from? There's magic afoot! Now, hold on, Mr. Seafellow. Yes? Uh, you come from the ocean. Now, yes. have you noticed any changes in the environment over the last few centuries? Hmm, yes. Please, tell us. Well, primarily living on the bottom of the sea, as I do, it's very difficult to tell what's actually happening. A little too dark, generally. I spend most of my time bumping into things, stubbing my toes. You may notice that's why they're webbed for my protection. I'm sorry, can you clarify something for me? Yes. Do you live in the sea or the ocean? Both. No. The sea is primarily my summer residence. Oh, okay. But but you're named after it. Yes, I was born there. Okay. In the summer? Yes, August, well actually. I am oh. a Leo. So, now, do you believe in global warming? Yes. Okay, that's persuasive. Do, I'm glad to help. Can you tell me, what is the sea people's stance on global warming? Do they have any policies or anything like that? Mm, well, the thing to remember is that the sea itself is largely an upscale community inhabited by the very wealthy. They generally tend to believe scientists and other land things because it's chic these days. Sea fellow, speak to me! Tell me of your army's strength so that I might conquer it. Mm. Give me your military secrets. Mm. No. Mr. Seafellow? Yes? Do you feel the water getting warmer? Mm. Sometimes. No, like since five years ago? Oh, you mean all the water generally? Yeah. Mm, yes. Has anybody boiled yet? Mm. Mm. Well, I haven't seen Arthur lately. I wonder what... He might have boiled. Yes, last time I saw him, he was looking slightly redder than usual. Now, that's interesting. He it was delicious! He could just be embarrassed, could he not? Mm, no. That wouldn't make him vanish. Mer people are rarely no, embarrassed. That would make him redder. I know of the one named Arthur. Nay, a fortnight ago did I feast upon him. Mr. Kraltar? I am Kraltar! What kind of creature is Arthur, if you know him so well? Delicious! It's true. We are entirely delicious. Verily, it is written! So it sounds like he actually all did right. know this guy. Um, he knows, well, he knows his flavor. Um, alright, well, thank you, Mr. Seafellow. Mm, uh, anytime, and if you see any good chair beads, please let me know. I'm a person! No, I know you're a person, but there might be chair beads. War spies, pursue him! I must know of the country's weaknesses! Crawl rules! Now, okay, uh, well, you know what, I'm just gonna get right to it. We do have another expert on the line. Uh, I think about global warming, but hopefully we'll find out. Hello! Hi, uh, please, introduce yourself. I have many names. 
Sorry about that. I had something stuck in my throat. I have many names. What are they? Um. Well, what? give us two. Okay, Baphomet. I can add three names. All right, three. And Lucifer. Okay. And Beelzebub. All right, that's three. Mm. Are, are those like the primary three, or? Um. Well, to say give us a you- taste of more names. Sir, I'd, ha- I'd have to ask you to please stop interrupting me. Why? Well, but it's just courteous. And I don't, I came on this show to, to really help out your point, And I just don't think that it's, it's really. Courteous. Which of my points? I am covered in them. Well, okay, he does have a lot of weapons. I think he means global warming. <laughs> yes, proceed. Well, I'm, I'm just. I will stop interrupting you now. Th- thank you very much. I, I'm just a little concerned. You're welcome. Because the lake of fire has been very hot and very warm for a while, and now people are coming down here and they're thinking it's not so bad. No, um, okay. Oh, okay. So you're saying... No, please go ahead. Keep going. Well, what, what I'm saying is that the, that the, the people on topside, they, they're used to the heat now from global warming, and they come down and they think it's a, it's like a jacuzzi. It's when a you sauna. say When you say come down. I'm into... Am I allowed to say H-E double hockey sticks? Well, all right, yeah, go ahead. Okay, hell. Okay. Mr. Um, Beelzebub? Please, Miss Mo. Is it possible that instead of the earth getting warmer, that hell is starting to very slowly freeze over since Kraltar has won so many debates? What? I will crush you, Chairbead! No, no. These mighty hands! Not- they have rent many a Chairbead in twain! It's not a Chairbead. Wait, erase the insult from the records! Erasing! No, no, we gotta keep that on the records. It's Stop part it. of the debating. It's part I of the demand deb- what is on the records and what is not on the records. Strike Frank Allen's name! Strucken! So who's gonna have said all the things I said? I have eliminated your past! You do not exist! Well, I think this man thinks he has powers that he doesn't have. I believe you might be right. I'm the son of a god! What god is that? Respect me! Res- what god is that? The unnameable one! Voldemort? Is that true? His name is Oz! Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. No, Oz. No, I thought you weren't his son. You said you were his follower. Do not question me! My father loves me! Somebody broke a commandment! Oh. Well, that sounds pretty dangerous. No, so, okay, so you wanted to say, so you believe that global warming is real. Do you think it's a threat, or do you think it's a good thing? Well, I, I think it's a bad thing, because I have a reputation to upkeep down here. You know, it's it's not like people are going to be living in central air. I want them to burn. Okay, okay. You still didn't answer my question. Is it possible that hell is just getting slightly colder all the time? It could be hell cooling. Well, to, to be honest, I'm kind of used to it, so I really wouldn't notice. Yeah, because you're there all the time. If you got out once in a while, maybe you'd notice the temperature changing. Right, right. And actually, my phone's starting to melt a little bit, so I'm pretty sure it's still hot. Oh, uh, well, don't get it on yourself, I guess, because that would hurt. But, all right, well, uh, does anybody Smear else- Smear it on unbelievers! Make them feel pain! Does anybody want to say anything else to, to Mr., uh, the guy with many names before we let him go? Give or- me the name of a weak one, and I will give him a very heavy collect call! What? That burns! I don't understand. The charges will be ridiculous in the afterlife! Okay. We, we don't allow collect calls down here, okay? I mean... And you claim to be punishment. No adult lines either. It is a punishment. All right. Well, uh, thank you for calling. Uh, but we do have... Uh, all right. We got what? We got... I believe we have time for one more caller. We do have another caller before we go on to the uh, the final debate. So uh, we do have one more expert, please. And this, is this on? Uh, because if this is on... It's on. Then you are listening to Dr. Zombie. Hello. Welcome to our uh, uh, debate. Thank you. It's you... about time you had an expert. Well, in science. Oh, a scientific expert. Okay, good. Now, please. Dr. Zombie. Tell us about uh, whether global warming is real. Whether global warming is real. An excellent question. What's the answer? Well, the scientific community is, as with all things, unsure. And I cannot say murder the results. 
I'm sorry, murder? I murder! Process. Process the results. Yes. Okay, I thought It is you not said really murder. my area of expertise. However, I thought that science should be introduced to this farce. This farce run by you, Frank Allen, Woo, is farce. missing science. Well, okay. Which I thought I would provide. Okay, well, give us the science. Is I just there did. is there science behind global warming? D- does the evidence support that it's getting warmer or not? I have littered the battlefields with evidence supporting my claims. Well, I well, you should. There's a mountain of dead as a testament to me. First of all, really. First of all, you shouldn't litter. What is your GPS? I must know. I don't think he has that kind of technology. I have all technology. I have slain the machine makers. That then means where's the mountain. Then that means you have no technology. I have all technology. All technology that you have. I take the secrets of those I kill. Frank yes, Allen, I do rule. You yes. are drowning out my science. Remember, we are talking on a geological scale. Conditions have actually been changing since the dawn of this planet. Once it was a sulfur-filled wasteland. From that scale, there has been global cooling. So you're saying on well, on the average, are we warmer than usual or cooler than usual? Well, that depends on your definition of usual. Average. That depends on your definition of average. In every year... Are we speaking geological average? Are we speaking the average from today and yesterday? Frank today Allen. is warmer! <laughs> I have stated this point! Frank all, Allen, you must make this debate more clear. All time. All time. Every day since history began. Every day is different! Since history began, there has been cooling. There was this thing called the Big Bang. I suggest you read a book. I've read a book. It, a man yes, Apparently not yes, the right your one. Your ignorance exposed! Well, some people might say that the Bible is a book and that it says the opposite. What else could the Bible be but a book? You no. make no sense! Well, hold on. Kraltar, why are you on his side? He just I'm said, not on his side! He just said there was cooling. There's warmth! He said there was warmth! He said there was cooling. Then I will slay him! I am sending some of my friends to meet you. They will speak with you about your... Bible. No, I don't have a Bible Good. on me. It will All not right. help you anyway. All right. Do you right. have any more questions before me before I have you smoked? Miss Maul, do you have any questions for him? Also, do you have any chair beads? I, what are these chair beads? Okay, look. They chair, are decorative listen, ornaments. Listen to me once and for all. Chair beads are a kind of decorative ornament, yes, that originated on Planet Small because we make things like necklaces and earrings that are too small for you humans. I brought them with me. I leave them on chairs. And for some reason, you are stupid and think that they are ornaments for the chair. Oh, Planet Small. You will My come favorite with- cereals come from there. You like very we small cereal? We don't make cereal. Cereal with an S. I like your shows. Oh, thanks. No problem. Um, that is all. Okay. Well, uh... I-, I agree with him about the cooling thing. I think that's probably true. Well, please. Thank it's actually you, time Dr. for your... Dr. Zombie! Signing out! If I may speak! No, no. Hold on. It's time for closing arguments. I have the talking shell! That's not a... T- that's my, not my shell. It's time for the closing argument. That is what the man who I slew said as well! Hold on. Now, you wait a second. Dot, Mrs. Small, please. My name is not Mrs. Small! <laughs> Miss. You are an incompetent Kraltar should lead this debate! I have one name and it is Dot. Kraltar wins! Do your do your closing arguments, please, ma'am. Do you think I can get through them without being interrupted? Yes! Okay. This is a very, very obvious, simple fact that a lot of loud yelling men don't seem to understand because they either can't write or don't know what books are. Um, 
But that is unfounded. That was an interruption. Yes, it was. She was attacking me. No, she was talking about. I was defending. She might have been talking defense, about someone else. Not an interruption. Same thing. Please continue. Defending via interruption. Please continue. Okay. The the empire that is the government of Earth, the Earthen government, is made up of sort of terrorist environmentalists who are bent on getting the entire um, uh, citizenship of the Earth to stop polluting, and they are scaring everyone. They're using fear by telling them that if they keep polluting, if they keep doing these terrible things, the Earth is going to heat up and everyone is going to die. And while their goal of getting people to stop polluting is very good, they're just lying. It's it's a complete, it's a falsehood. There's no scientific basis for it. Okay. And uh, now, Kraltar, use your, you can use your shell Now you, you can want. go yell and... I will tell you if what is a falsehood. You are cherubied, and you will ornament my my throne, yes, which that's a I falsehood. shall grace with my buttocks every day. No, please, global warming. I just had to say that. Okay. I'm on topic. Please, global warming. Yes. Is it real? Yes. And? And it is real. I, well, that's the first thing. You wish support? Then I shall give it to you, Frank Allen. Fire demons from below are coming and melting the Ice Lord's lands. It is written on the sacred scroll. Display the sacred scroll. This here is the sacred scroll. Read it. Gaze it. upon it and die, for only I may look at the sacred scroll. There a gaze upon it? No, look at it and die. I don't. Oh, thank you. I'm not dying, but. You looked upon it? Well, yeah. Then we will address this after the oh, debate. Wait, Bob, you told Bob, me to look yeah. at it. I don't think this is the right divine scroll. I. Oh, oh. It, I think it's the one in the green bag. Did you bring the green bag? Hold you on, have brought the wrong I, sacred scroll! I, no, no. I have ah! Okay. Well, Sorry just... about that. Middle but... management issue. It has been resolved. That's a compelling argument. I am correct on four points. I am the strongest. I am the mightiest. I am the greatest. My swords are the sharpest. I have won. Let's find out. That was uh, five, and they're all wrong. Okay, well, this is uh, a first. Uh, it's the first time a wild card has ever won a debate, but it's pretty obvious. Frank Allen! I challenge you here and now well, to one-on-one on one combat! Hold on, I'm, I'm in the middle of something. You will be in the middle of my sword! All right, listen, I... I don't think you know how swords work. I have slain many! Miss Small, you get to go on to the final debate. Thank you very much. I'm glad somebody noticed my intellect. And, uh, and, uh, you'll be she up against... She goes to my throne! Lord Zest. Now, uh, Kraltar, uh, you are unfortunately done on this show. War managers! Give me my armor! Kraltar, do you really want... Are you a coward? Do you really want to do this? Will you not face me, Frank Allen? Do you really want to do this, On the field Tony? of battle! I'll come out. I'll come out of my cage. I want my Frank Allen slaying sword that the smiths of yore have crafted unto me. So heavy. Here you go. So difficult Here to I come. Yield. Here I come. I'm standing to fight you. You better watch it. Step from your cage. I'm out. Here we go. <laughs> anyway, uh, that just about does it for Kraltar, uh, unfortunately. Holy Thank crap. You. You're welcome. You're welcome. But we do have one more episode of uh, Debatatorium 2006 left, uh, the final debate, to find out who is Debatiator of the Year. Is it Lord Zest or is it Miss Small? It's a good question. My name is Dot, Mr. Earth. Well, then then we'll see who wins. Uh, this is Debatatorium 2006. Oh. Good night. That episode of Debatatorium featured the voice talents of... 
Frank Allen, Patrick Ganan, Lynn Nelson, Daniel Schwartz, Elijah Weberham, and Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you very much, Rory. Um, Frank, I guess let's just hop right along into your interview. Is it an interesting interview? Is it related to that at all? Or No, 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 not at all. Uh, well, I mean, only tangentially in that it's related to the entire podcast. I was trying to do sort of a, a cute thing because I noticed something that was sort of a coincidence, but it turned out to be a bit of an expose, so to speak. So, so let's get right to it. Here we are. Frank Allen Interviews. Starring Frank Allen. Good evening and welcome to Frank Allen Interviews. My name is Frank Allen and I have a very interesting interview for you tonight. We are having an interview with Mr. Jordan White, uh, but probably not the Jordan White you're familiar with. Uh, of course, Jordan D. White is the host of the podcast Cast and Wax, but I have with me one of the very first podcasters, uh, Mr. Jordan White, a different Jordan White. Uh, hello, sir. Hello there. It's very good to talk to you. It's very good to talk to you. It's very good of you to come out here. Now, uh, as I said, you weren't the very first podcaster, but you were one of the first, correct? Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Uh, the earliest podcast started in around uh, 1935 or so, but I started my podcast in 1941, right around the time that we entered World War II. It was a very exciting time, and I definitely am very proud of the work I did there. That's you know, that's really fascinating. Now, uh, a lot of people don't probably realize that there were podcasts back then, but uh, there were, right? I mean, absolutely. How could I be a podcaster if there wasn't any podcasts back then? Of course there were. Computers were just a lot slower back then. It was a very difficult process making a podcast back then, and it was even more difficult being a podcast listener. I myself did have a weekly show, but unfortunately, it took a about three weeks to download each episode. Because of the slow download speed, I did try to keep the podcast as small as I could. It used to be only recorded at .0025 kbps, but we did our best with the sound quality we have. That's really fascinating. Now, I, again, I, I didn't I didn't realize that they did have that technology back then. Absolutely, absolutely. They always had this technology. It was just a matter of how good it was. Back then, computers were very slow, and they were very large. Unfortunately, there were only about three of them in the world, but those three computers did download my podcast regularly. I did have a full 100% listenership, and again, every three weeks, they would get the show, and uh, it would be quite... quite Quite a hit. That's very. That's very interesting. Now, okay. Uh, what was your podcast called? No, this is a, this is something. I, again, I I found this very fascinating because I was looking up information about stuff, just trying to find something to, to do an interview about, and I found your name is Jordan White, and you had a podcast. Your podcast was called. My podcast, of course, was called Shaped in Wax. Shaped in Wax. Absolutely, that's what it was called. Now, already, I'm I'm am seeing there's a bit of a coincidence there. I, I I thought to myself when I saw that coincidence, I thought, well, perhaps I would uh you know interview you for sort of a human interest piece. But uh, when I spoke to you about it. You said you do. You already were aware of the similarities between your podcast and uh, and the one that I'm on. Absolutely. How could I not be? It's an outrage. It seems your friend Jordan White has stolen everything about my podcast and turned it into his own podcast. It's not very nice of him. I've got to say. I've got 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 to tell you that. How would he like it if someone came along and stole his podcast and turned it into something else? Well, I, I, I guess he wouldn't really mind that much since it's my podcast. But I mind very much because I'm the one who started the podcast. Well, uh, go, go tell us tell us a few of these similarities. I mean, okay. Now, obviously, again. Again, your name is Jordan White. His name is Jordan D. White. Uh, what, what's your your middle? Is your middle initial D as well? No, my middle initial is A. What's your middle name? My middle name's Aloysius. Why do you ask? Well, because because we were just talking about your middle initial. All right, sounds fair enough. But what, no, no, go into and and the name of the, the show, Cast and Wax, Shaped and Wax. Obviously, very similar. Well, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. But what are some of the other similarities? Okay, for example, uh, Jordan's podcast, uh, the, the Jordan I know, the podcast I'm on, Cast and Wax. They have radio serials. Did you have radio serials on yours? No, that would be ridiculous. That would be ridiculous. 
Sirius? Back then, Radio Sirius were on the radio. Why would you put Radio Sirius on a podcast if the Radio Sirius were on the radio? Oh, so it wasn't really that similar. Oh, on the contrary, it was very similar because nowadays people don't really do Radio Sirius. So Jordan's doing them on his podcast. I, too, at that time was using a medium that had kind of fallen out of fashion. Oh, uh, what's that? Silent films. With the advent of the talkies, they kind of stopped doing silent films for the most part. They still did some, of course, once in a while, but I figured why not do them myself? It was quite a difficult task, to be honest with you, because it was an audio-based medium podcasting. I know nowadays they have these newfangled video podcasts, but back then we were strictly audio only. That would sound difficult. How did you even get around that? Well, unfortunately, we had to narrate them. You had to narrate the silent films. Yes, that we did. I would uh, do the narration myself, in fact. And then afterwards, I would tell you what they would say. You would tell, so it was out loud. Well, no, it was a little different, because instead of someone actually saying something, I would tell you what they would say. Like the little, you know, cards in the middle of the silent films. That sounds a little weird. It doesn't sound very much like a silent film. It sounds like somebody telling a story. Well, only because your ears are uneducated. To the people who knew what they were talking about, they knew that that was a silent film when they heard it. Well, um, could, could I, for the benefit of... The listeners, do you think I could play a clip, maybe, from one so they can hear what it sounded like? Well, sure, why not? Excellent. What do, what do you have? What kind of clip do you have that I can play? Here's a clip from my sound film, Larry's Big Day. It was about a plumber named Larry. Puts his finger up knowingly, and a little light bulb appears over his head. He reaches into his box and pulls out a wrench, flaps his jaw for a second, and then a card comes up and says, This ought to do the trick. He runs back into the house. Water is squirting all over the place. He slips on some of it and falls right on his butt. That was quite humorous. Everybody laughs in the theater, if you're in a theater. He gets back up again, hits his head on one of the pulsating pipes, gets a little dizzy, and falls right back down in the splash of water one more time. He goes over to that leaking sink and shakes his little wrench at it. A card comes up and says, Why I oughta. He takes the wrench, gets down underneath the sink, starts tightening the thing. Unfortunately, he's going the wrong way. The pipe comes loose. Water squirts right in his face. He's trying to hold it back with his hands. He's trying to hold it back with the wrench, but it keeps smushing right past his fingers and hitting him right in the kisser. Gosh, it's funny. And uh, it's All right, really well, Okay, so I guess we kind of get the idea now. Um, so you were doing these silent films on the podcast. What kind of silent films would you do? Well, like I said, that was Larry's Big Day. That's just one of the little funny one-off ones I did. But I had lots of ongoing serialized silent films as well. Really? Okay, like what? I had a science fiction epic called Titanic Tales. It was also known as the Forward Series, because every episode would go forwards and the next one would come after that. Well, that doesn't really sound very innovative. I mean, isn't that the way with all of them? Yes, but we pointed it out. Nobody else would point it out. All right, that sounds a little unusual, but okay. Um, did you have any others? Of course we did. We had a superhero show called Hero Fights. It was about a team of superheroes, but it only took place when they were fighting villains. It never would show them hanging around. It would only show them punching people and defeating evil. We'd leave out all the plot, in fact. As soon as one of the villains was down, we'd cut it and go straight to the next fight. Right away. That way, all you see is the really exciting stuff. Pow, pow, you know, that kind of deal. I would imagine that would also make it easier to do a silent film, because then you don't have to do any, any dialogue. Don't be ridiculous. Of course you do. You have to have the funny lines, they say, when they hit somebody. How about some of this? They'd say, or I've got a little knuckle sandwich with your name on it. Pow! Would they say pow, or was that just a side thing? No, they wouldn't say pow. Don't be ridiculous. It's a silent film. They couldn't say anything. Oh. Yeah, well, okay, no, that's that's fair. We also had a detective series called Tripper and Clark. Were they lesbian detectives? What? Lesbian detectives? Don't be ridiculous. They were both men, so they were gay detectives. Gay detectives? Why would detectives be gay? No, detectives are a grim bunch. No, I mean, were they homosexual? What are you trying to say about me? I'm not that kind of person. I don't make those kind of blue films. No, I don't mean do you see them having hardcore gay sex. I mean, were they in love with one another? No, what kind of thing is this? What kind of show do you think I ran? This was a very clean-cut family show. It was about t private detectives. They go around punching people. They go around shooting people. That's what the 
detectives do? They solve crimes. And they kill the people who need to be killed, and they arrest the ones who don't. Well, I guess there's a little bit of a similarity there with, with Decker and Hayes. What's Decker and Hayes? Decker and Hayes is the, it's, a, it's a show that's on the, the podcast. It's about a pair of detectives, but they're they're lesbians. They're lesbian lovers. That's one sick show you're running there, I gotta tell you. This Jordan D. White is not a well man. That's what it says in one of the, the theme songs. That's really funny. I don't know what you're talking about, but I definitely think you should have him committed. Someone who writes about two women in love with one another, that's just not right. Both of them need men, if you ask me. Well, maybe um, Tripper and Clark can get together with Decker and Hayes. Straighten them out. Now, don't go infringing on my copyright, sir. They're very much my property. Sorry, 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 sorry. Did you have any other shows? Of course I did. I had lots of shows. But those are just the dramatic ones. I also had non-dramatical shows. Non-dramatical silent films? What kind of silent films are you talking about? Well, for example, I had one called Communism or Stupid. Communism or Stupid? Absolutely. It was a show in which we would enact some sort of communist doctrine, and then we'd have a debate whether or not the communism was something that you should follow, or whether it was stupid. Usually, we decided it was stupid. You decided communism was stupid. Absolutely. Why wouldn't we? There's no profit in it. Well, I guess there is that. No, but how would you do? I don't understand. How would you you dramatize? Okay, so you dramatize it as a, as a silent film. Sure, I can understand that. How did you do a a silent debate? Well, it was actually I, I'll let you in on my secret. It was actually improvised comedy. And so what we would do is we'd get a couple of our actors in, and they'd put on very funny costumes. They'd each stand behind a podium, and I'd stand in the middle doing a, a funny voice, not like the one you're doing now. What What are you talking about? I'm not doing a funny. What are you trying to say? Uh, nothing. No, I was I was just uh, it was a kind of a joke. But forget it. No, you you had two people with podiums, funny costumes. Yeah, all right. And and they would ha they would have a debate now. Of course, of course, as I said, there was no sound, so they would mostly do it through hand gestures and, you know, waving their arms wildly. People would think it was pretty funny giving the crazy costumes they were wearing, and once in a while we'd throw up a card saying what they're saying. I think you're wrong, sir. Communism is a joke. Things like that. And then I would decide the winner with a coin toss, and then I'd ignore it. Then then why did you toss a coin? Well, it's a visual medium. But it's not a visual medium because, I, I mean, I'm even more confused. You're saying you're, you, people would, would see the funny costumes, but it's not a visual podcast. It's an audio podcast, right? So they couldn't see the costumes. Well, no, no, technically they couldn't, but I would describe them afterwards. It's not a problem. And how are you doing a funny voice in a silent film? I was just doing a funny voice. I don't understand what the problem is. I described the fact that I was doing a funny voice on the cards, and then on the cards that I would read, I would read the thing that said I was doing a funny voice. I didn't actually have to do a funny voice on the podcast. I would just tell people about the funny... You don't understand how podcasts work, do you, sir? I understand how podcasts work now. I, I don't really understand how they worked in 1941. I mean, it's a little unusual. Not to mention, you were a bit ahead on the communism thing. I mean, people weren't that big on communism being bad in the 40s, were they? Spoken like a true sympathizer, if you ask me, I was always down on communism. I always knew it was the single most dangerous threat to our country and our way of life. I knew it was creeping up even then. Just because Johnny come lately is like Joe McCarthy didn't catch on for a little while doesn't mean that people like me didn't know the sensible thing was to destroy communism and stamp it out in all its forms. All right, all right. Sorry, sorry. So, okay, so it, I mean, it really does sound like your your podcast was very similar to Jordan's podcast. You, you, what are you talking uh, about? Uh, My uh, name is Jordan. The other, okay, the other Jordan is what I meant to say. You've, you've got the same name. It's got the same name. Similar. You had all the similar type serials, except yours were silent films and his are radio serials. I, I mean, it really does sound similar. Now, do you think that he ripped you off? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that he found out about my podcast and totally stole it right out from under me. I think he took every single part of it, duplicated it, changed it just a tiny bit so it looked like he was being creative when he really wasn't. And I intend to sue him for all he's worth. Possibly $300 or more. Well, it's funny you mentioned $300. I mean, you make it sound like he makes $300 on the podcast. He doesn't make anything on the podcast. As far as I know, he pays money for the podcast and you know, loses money on the podcast. Like he, it costs him money, and he doesn't bring in any money. He doesn't. No, I mean, as far as I know, I, I think he does it for fun. Well, what the hell's wrong with the boy? Why isn't he making a profit? I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I, I, it's something he does for fun. I think he just wants to, to make something that is creative and that he enjoys, and to share it with people. Share it with people for free. That sounds like communism. 
That's a redistribution of comedy. That doesn't sound right at all. Redis well, I wouldn't put it that way, but I mean, I, I guess it is free. He does give it away for free. Free? What's wrong with him? Doesn't he even at least have advertisements on there? Not for real things, no. Once in a while he advertises like a wax burger or something. Why would anybody want to eat a wax burger? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You ask me, this Jordan D. White guy is crazy. Not only did he steal my product, but he's giving it away for nothing when I would charge lots of money for it. Well, either way, I can still sue him for $300 because he's deluding the market. He's deluding the market. So you're still doing your podcast? You're still doing your silent films? Well, no, but you're selling them somewhere else, right? So, I mean, that way he's taking money away from you that way? Well, no, I'm not actually selling them either. I mean, I'm just saying I could, and if I did, they, nobody would want them because they could just buy his instead. Although, why anybody would want to buy a story about two lesbian detectives is far beyond me. Well, it's a little beyond me as well, but, um, wow. No, I'm, I'm very weirded out by this. Okay, well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Your, this, your name is Jordan A. White. Well, I don't call myself that, but yeah, I guess technically I am Jordan A. White. And you're saying it's your allegation that Jordan D. White stole from you and, and has copied your podcast shaped in wax. Absolutely. All right, well, I will, I will get his answer to your allegations and I will find out for certain if that is true. And have his lawyer contact my lawyer. Who's your Who's your lawyer? Matt Roma. All right. Uh, we've actually, oddly enough, got his number, so yes, I will do so. Thank you very much for stopping by, and thank you for being a part of my show. It was my pleasure, and I hope the truth is known. Maybe the people who hear his podcast will start looking for mine, and then they will listen to my podcast with my sound films. Uh, although they're no longer on the internet, but hopefully they can find them in the local library. Library? Of course. They were pressed to vinyl at some time in the 50s. So they can listen to your podcast by buying them on vinyl? Well, it's certainly a possibility. All right, well, now you know what to do. Look him up on, uh, in the library on vinyl, apparently. Thank you for listening to Frank Allen Interviews. My name is Frank Allen, as you probably know, and, uh, good night. All right, so now that that's over with, Jordan, I have a question. No, for I didn't steal the stupid podcast from that jerk, whoever that guy was. I, that's, I can't even believe you'd ask me that. Well, I didn't get to ask you that, because you interrupted me. But the fact that you were going to... <laughs> You, Frank, you know me. Do I steal a lot of shows? Do I, do, is, is that the way I do things? Well, uh, not, I didn't think so. But now that I think about it, you know, the stallion is kind of like Batman, but he's like horseman. No, it's, that's different. That's not, first of all, he's not stolen from Batman. It's not like he's flying mouse man. He's, he's, he's the stallion and he's similar to Batman in certain ways, but uh, it's different enough. <sighs> Look, I'm not stealing my show. You know, that's, I guess that's a coincidence. That's a really weird coincidence. But this idea that there's another Jordan White, I mean, but that's why I go by Jordan D. White instead of just Jordan White, because there are other Jordan Whites out there. I didn't know one of them did a podcast, but, I, you know, I don't know, though. That's, you know, that's a b really big coincidence. Shaped in wax? No, 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 no. Look, uh, first of and not to mention, do, is there documented evidence? Because I still have not heard, I mean, I heard that little clip you just played. It was terrible, by the way. But I heard that clip you played, but, I mean, that's the only evidence I have that this thing even exists. I, 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 how am I supposed to believe that this podcast is even real? I mean, in the 40s, I, like, I, I didn't think, I don't think there even were podcasts in the 40s. I think he's lying. Oh, he said it wasn't, it was on, you know, old computers. They were a lot slower. Yeah, but who, who, who's going to be downloading it? Like the military is sending this podcast around to each other? I mean, I don't, that doesn't sound very likely. No, hey, look, look, okay, look, I'm a reporter in this instance. I report the facts. I don't check them. You know, if you want someone to, to, you know, make you up a dossier on it, you know, hire a dossier maker. I'm a, I'm a reporter. I'm reporting this. This is the, the facts as I, as I heard them are, this guy made a podcast. It's very similar to yours. Maybe you stole it. I didn't. St oh my, Frank, I didn't steal this guy's podcast. And if we have to go to court, 
it will have to come to that because I didn't steal it. And I think the evidence will back me up. I, I, I'd be interested in hearing more from his podcast, other bits from his podcast to see what other similarities there are. But I, so far, I, that the only thing I've ever heard from him is that little Larry, whatever it was. And I've never done a show like that. All right. Well, that's true. I mean, you never have done a show about a plumber. So, so clearly. All right. You know, you're getting me all aggravated. Let's move on to Epic Echoes, please. Fine. series season two episode eight with a little help by daniel schwartz the flashback sat in yet another kovacs jam session staring forlornly at the televisions reporting on their big scandal an hour 17 after the revelation of what is being called the crenshaw affair the flashback still refuses to comment on the suspicious events surrounding the death of their former comrade many question whether a member of an organization that leaves its members to die is truly equipped to save the world as many times over as the disgraceful mrs blaine that Smitty would strike out against a politically naive and basically wholesome boy this way. I've never seen such a blatant display of political backstabbing. Don't tell me that this underhanded betrayal has anything to I do with... I don't even think the Crenshaw affair is legitimate. I think it's a ploy by the Kovacs camp to take attention off his position on deficit spending, which is known to be, you know, a total waste of time. I mean, I, I don't even know... <coughs> what. Oh, my hair burst! Dwaris, are you okay? I'm fine. I just couldn't listen to that... Man, talk about Julie like she was some sort of political ploy. Shame about the TV, though. This is bad. The blog is roasting us alive about Julie. I can't believe this turned into such a catastrophe. How could Smitty turn against a fellow Republican like this? <laughs> they won't. They won't stop talking about Julie. What are we going to do? Well, the easiest solution is to distance ourselves from Jimmy. The incident with Julie is a concern of the group as a whole, not just him. We could- No. No way. You guys are my family. I won't abandon you a week before the election just to build my popularity. That's not even an option. But we have to do something. We can't sacrifice Jimmy's chance to be president over this. Well, what can we do? I know that Jimmy's our friend, but- Friends. That's it. What? The flashback's actions are what's hurting Jimmy now. What if we play it on the other end? We've been promoting the good works of the flashback since the election started. But what if it wasn't us? What if we had some of the friends we helped in the past speak for us? The flashbacks help people all over the nation. There must be millions of them. But there's only a week before the election. Then we take the country by storm. A week-long barnstorming marathon for Kovacs America. We could use the hyperjets I just finished working on. It just might work. Then let's get out there and show this country what we've done. Flashback! Flashback! And so the Flashpack began one of the most bold moves of their career, a sweep across America, from the shining skyscrapers of New York City, where the science hero Excelsius spoke out for them. If not for the timely intervention of Jimmy Kovacs and the Flashpack, the barbarous attacks of September 11, 2001 would surely have destroyed the majestic global commerce annex. Gotham owes these intrepid adventurers an enormous debt of gratitude. I may be able to control temperature, but when the heat is on, you can always turn to the flashback. (laughs) 
It will be my pleasure to help the Flash Pack on Election Day. I would like to use this time, if I may, to perform one of the violin concertos on my upcoming album, which I have named Flight of the Flash Pack. To the golden shores of Venice Beach, California, where champion surfer Jane Ray lauded them. Yeah, and then Caliban and his fish army were like all up on the waves, wielding huge spears and driving crab mobiles. Massive bummer. If not for the flash packs, like totally awesome moves, we'd have been slaughtered wholesale for sure. They're totally Whoa. rad. And even farther afield to the shores of Marinic Taurus on the young state of Luna. The people of Luna are grateful, uh, not only to the flashback as a whole, but to Mr. Kovacs in particular. It was he who negotiated a peace settlement between colonists and indigenous Lunans, working tirelessly to a non-violent solution and campaigning for Luna statehood. Luna can find no better candidate to vote for as its first president than Jimmy Kovacs. Um, why can't we hear them applauding? There's still not enough air on Luna to make sounds audible. Oh, yeah, right. Support came from comrades-in-arms, like the quirky Dr. Nectori Stella. There we were, suspended over the quotidian bridge, Mr. Banal's legion of drabs surrounding us on all sides. It took Jimmy's quick thinking to distract him while Miss Singh and I overloaded his wonder suppressant fields. Otherwise, we would surely be dead, and Mr. Banal would have eliminated all magic, mad science, and amazement from the world. Alaska citizens who depend especially on warmerizers not to freeze owe a lot to Jimmy and the rest of the flashback. And others who had borne witness to their deeds, like Atlanta social activist Mary Cartwright. That horrible robo-Sherman was just a-marching down to the sea, ready to burn Atlanta right to the ground. There was plasma everywhere. It was surely the most horrible moment our fair city has ever suffered. Not only was the flashback able to repel the mecha Yankee menace, they also played a vital role in the rebuilding of the damaged city. My first encounter with Jimmy Kovacs is when I took this picture. He was about 12 at the time, you see, and he was delivering lunch pails to folks working at the top of Johnson Tower with his little helipack. Isn't he just darling? Oh, jeez. Hey, don't knock it, Jimbo. This will help you a lot in the South. But I look so goofy. Polls indicate that Georgians love helipacks. It reminds them of simpler times when the skies were quieter. They're eating it up. Not that every stop was an overwhelming success. Okay, I give up. Where is everyone? There's a concert across town. Who's performing? Let's see, The Revisionist, Me and My Killing Machine, and Slay Gonzalo. Oh my god, Slay Gonzalo? He's awesome. Gee, thanks. Don't worry, Jimbo. Seattle's a bust. We'll do better in Houston. Those who knew the pack intimately came forward. Well, Jimmy's a fine boy. Known him since he was knee-high to a grasshopper. After his folks died, I wasn't sure the flash pack was the best place for a boy like him but they've brought out the best in him. My nephew's grown up to be a good man. Would have done his mama proud. As well as those who'd been touched only briefly by their bravery. The people of St. Olaf would have surely never survived the anger of Zorn the Volcano God if the flashback hadn't intervened. It was a harsh day in October, and the harvest had only just been finished when old man Erikens feel kind of buckled and swelled and began leaking white-hot magma. Well, I guess it's called lava if it gets out of the ground, isn't it? Well, I, I thought so. Old Betty Schemmelhaf's boy went off to college to be a geologist, you know, and he said there's a difference on whether or not it's hard lava, Where do we soft fit into lava, all of this? or if it's rough or smooth. We were flying by and we're curious as to why so there's a volcano in Minnesota. Did we shoot him? Zorn sounds like the kind of guy we'd shoot. But if it's smooth, you can slide all over. That explains 
living on my statue in the square. Outside of Old Man Suna's house. By the morning of the third debate, the pack had crisscrossed the country almost six times, made a stop in every state of the Union, and shaken exactly 135 million. 278,694 hands between the seven of them. Despite the exhaustion, there was nonetheless a feeling of great personal victory. Okay, Jimbo. Remember, for the debate, don't mention Julie, don't hesitate to mention your double, and don't let Marsh talk too much about Prezitron. You've got to be kidding, Julie. He's not going to bring up Prezitron. Don't be so sure. It was a major embarrassment for the party. Democrats love to rehash it. I was like nine when he was elected. And would you have voted for him? Well, yeah. Don't tell them that, okay? Fine. You think we can win this, Jill? Don't ever doubt it, Jimmy. It'll take more than a Massachusetts liberal to stop the guy who talked down the Empress of Planet Q. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah! I'm not going to let anything stop me. I won't quit until I'm in the White House. Well, technically you can't quit, then. You'll be president. Oh, yeah, right. Almost forgot. Right. Either way, I'm not going to give up. I've got a great campaign manager, a spectacular bunch of friends, and the support of an entire country. Nothing's going to come between me and my... Oh, crap. What's up? I heard the dangerometer go off. Some kind of disturbance in the miniverse. Perhaps it's a malevolent Mr. Minuscule. He's been dead for months. Well, I like saying his name. Whatever. We need to get in there. We can't. Jimmy's got a debate in a few hours. Don't be ridiculous. This is an emergency. We've come too far to skip out on the debate now. But we can't just let those people suffer. You've got to go. I can use one of the hyperjets to reach the debate. No problem. You guys go. I'll stay behind, too. Someone needs to make sure you get there safely. We'll be rooting for you, Jimmy. You know, when you aren't fighting the tiniest of terrors? Just go. If you get back during the debate, tune in and watch. Then let's get in there and fight! Flashback! Flashback! Flashback. The pack's trip into the miniverse was short, as first space and then time dilated to allow them into the world that lives in the shadow of ours. The impossibly tall, comparatively, towers of Tinyopolis dominated their field of vision, and the Minonics were gathered in their legions in the Wee Plaza, the largest open space in the entire miniverse. They don't seem in any real danger. Appearances can be deceiving. Let's find out what's what before jumping to conclusions. Flashback! Thank goodness you're here! But where's Jimmy? What? Uh, he had to stick behind to debate. Oh no! We hope to wish him luck before the debate! We set up a fireworks display! Fireworks in a crowded cityscape? That set off the dangerometer. Leaping leptons! We need to get back to the macroverse or we'll miss the debate. As the pack makes an apologetic departure, the youngest member prepares to face a challenge that will take all his courage to conquer. Can he withstand the final debate of his campaign? Will their friends be able to carry election day? Find out in the next thrilling episode of Epic Echoes. Jam it up. In that episode of Epic Echoes, Guinevere Eckert was the narrator and Mary Cartwright, Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfield, Angela Tymon was Dralis, Devin White was Molly, Lynn Nelson was Slaughter, Tong Wen Wong was Keen, Daniel Schwartz was Jimmy Kovacs, Scape White was Fertress, Jordan D. White was Dr. Stelloff, Scott Finber was Leaf Nyland, Elijah Weberhand was Excelsius, Sam Thomason was Randall Marsh, Justin Ha was Glassman, Patrick Ganan was Wally O'Rourke, Magdalena Richards was Jane Ray, Rory Sinjin was Nigel Moonfellow, and Sarah Doan was Tatalia Little. 
The theme song was by Michael Temporary Cod Mikowski. Thank you very much, Rory. And thank you also, Rory, because you were in that episode. I think that was the uh, one of the only times you ever acted on any of my shows. Thank you. Thank you for thanking me. I, I did appreciate that. It was nice to have a little role. And you did a nice job as a moon man, uh, or a man living on the moon, really, not not like a moon man. Yes. Well, it was fun. It was fun to do. Uh, it was nice of you to provide me with that helmet. That oh, no problem. I mean, we always do that. Yeah. All the helmets were, were the responsibility of the, the show rather than the actors. Why would we make the actors bring their own space helmets? I mean, Unless you go to space a lot, you're never going to have one. Well, you're right, and I didn't have one. Also, I want to mention that episode was uh, had a reference to Excelsius, who is an alternate reality version of Mr. Fahrenheit, who is articulate and composed, where Mr. Fahrenheit is loudmouth and uh, jerky. And he also has an album, apparently. Pretty funny stuff. So, uh, that just leaves one final thing for the show. Listener mail, of course. Actually, no, that's not what it leaves. It leaves a plea for listener mail uh, because we don't have any this week. What? Nobody wrote us this week, so we didn't get any listener mail. Oh, that's not good. Well, it could be worse, though. There is a reality where where we got listener mail, but it was all really, really negative, and it was all about how terrible the show is and how no one will ever listen to it again. Yes, that would be worse. Yes, I I guess we do like to have typically positive listener mail. So, uh, listen, if you want to write in to us, preferably not tell us that you're never going to listen to the show again. The address is castinwax at gmail.com. And that's about it. Hey, uh, some slightly bad news, which is that next week we're not going to have a full show. We're going to have a kind of a fill-in show. It's going to have a This Day in History. It's going to have a special behind-the-scenes uh, Mr. Fahrenheit interview clip. And it's also going to have a big interview that Frank Allen did with Charles Berman. Not the one from, we heard last time I had a skip week, but um, his second interview from right before the podcast began. Because we are going on a bit of a road trip. We're going back to Binghamton, New York to visit Binghamton for Halloween, and it should be an exciting time. So, the serials will come back in two weeks, but next week we'll just have a quick show. Until then, of course, we will all be seeing you.